So this morning we have uh, one of our extended family members with us who's going to be preaching, uh, Travis Aiklin, who, um, if, you, if you're new to the Radiant world, um, this was uh, the spark that got us here to Tulare. So if you notice that the volume level was a little down on this side in the front, that's because we traded Mark for him this morning. Mark's in Visalia with the Radiant family over there, and actually his grandson's getting baptized this morning, so he gets to be a part of that as well. So pretty exciting. Trav, would you come? So this is your new spot. I'm having it. Yeah, it's good to be here. I wanted to, uh, before we open to Matthew 20, or you can open to Matthew uh, 20 now if you'd like, but before we do, I just wanted to extend an invitation. Um, if you're new to this uh, church uh, family, you probably should know that this church family is a part of a bigger family uh, of churches. Uh, not just here in California, but in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Um, but we are going to gather the churches in California for something we're calling Celebration California. And um, there's not many of us. There's just a handful of churches in the state of California, and there's, there's five but we're coming together as a handful of churches, believing that we're going to be more than a handful of churches because more churches will be adopted into this family. And we also have a plan to plant more churches. So we'll share some of that vision up there. But um, it's been our desire for a little while to not just be a group of leaders who get together, but actually churches that are together on mission. Leaders often get together at conferences and churches rarely get together. And that's because it requires some sacrifice from you for you to take your Memorial Day weekend and say, this is what's most important. What we're up to together is what I wanna do with my weekend. And so there's more details coming. Um, we're, we're looking to keep this very affordable um, we're looking to kind of lock down some details and solidify some speakers. And so I'll be coming with the, uh, those details here in the next few weeks. But right now, just consider yourself invited. Um, this, this is a dream. This is, this is we've, <laughs> we've been talking about this for a decade, you know. And I know some of you are 80 and you're like, please, get, get, get out of here with your decade, you know. Please. But we've been working on this for a while. And the reason we've been working on this is because leadership's incredibly lonely. And we've had this idea that we've carried in our hearts of friends together on mission. Um, and churches knit together on mission. And so this is really cool. I was in Tacoma. Um, Yesterday, <laughs> preaching at a man camp. I was in Visalia this morning at the first service because my daughters are on the worship team um, and a close family friend was being baptized. And now I get to be here uh, with you. And so it's just, this is, these are exciting days. Something's happening. I don't really, I wish I could tell you I knew where it was headed, but I, 
I just don't because God's not just writing Becky's story. He's writing our, our story together, right? So I, 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 don't, I don't know what comes next, but I'm trusting that it's going to be good. So, um, so yeah, so that's it, right? Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Do you have a Bible? If you've got a Bible, open it to Matthew. If you've got a Bible, near, 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 near. If you've got a phone, then that is not a Bible. <laughs> Get a real Bible. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> How many of you, I, I'm going to start with a question. It's not, not like a... Um, you know, how many had a week that was better than five or below a five, but how many of you, you would look to the new year as an opportunity to make a new year's resolution? Not just plan, but to set a goal. Be, it's okay. Even if you've fallen off the horse, like part of you is like, hey, I gave up on that last week. How many of you would look to the new year as an opportunity to set a goal? How many of you are like, I, I gave up on that a long time ago? done done with that I'm somewhere I'm somewhere in between somewhere in between and I think that we can all agree whether you're pro new year's resolution or whether you're anti all that contrived hallmark stuff um, I think we can all agree that it's just much easier to start something than it is to sustain something. It's much easier to uh, say yes than it is to kind of sustain that yes over time, right? Whether you're pro or anti, you, we're all agree, we all agree on that, right? And I think that that's part of the reason some of us don't even bother to start something is because we know it's not likely that we're going to be able to sustain that something. So why even bother to start? And I, I've just been thinking a lot about this because um, Radiant Visalia, uh, we planted 17 years ago. Um, and I know, again, some of you are 70 and you're like, please get out of here with your 17 years. I've had t-shirts longer than you've had at church. <laughs> Um, but, but, but sometimes I feel, um, sometimes I feel jealous of the, the problems that Radiant Tulare has, um, because they more center around getting people to start or to say yes. And I'm down the street in Visalia trying to figure out how to sustain that yes. Jared's here saying, would you sign up for kids? I'm in Visalia saying, would you sign up for kids for the 17th time, you know? And so I'm continually trying to figure out what is it that sustains our yes? What is it that sustains a life of humble service to God? I know how to sustain my yes towards, you know, ESPN or to sustain my yes to cereal at 10 p.m. or to sustain my yes to snowboarding. I'm not worried about that. I'll probably keep doing that. But when I'm talking about sustaining a life of humble service, 
you know, sustaining that place of like where, where you feel like you're giving more than you're getting. How do you keep giving and keep making sacrifices in order to see something go forward? And not just at the church. The, the church listen, the church is the least of your concerns. How it's easy to have a wedding. It's really difficult to have a marriage. It's easy to say I do. It's very difficult to keep saying I do. Fairly easy to conceive, a little more difficult to raise a child, right? You get it. I don't need to. This is over. You get it. <laughs> I just, I've been thinking a lot about it. I've been thinking about how we sustain our, our, our yes. And so as we come to Matthew 20 today, I just want to fly over Matthew 20. We're going to go through the entire chapter. But I want to put a frame on the entire chapter, which is this. How do we sustain a life of humbly serving God and serving others? So I want to ask four questions as we fly over Matthew 20. The first question to ponder if you're going to sustain a life of service is, is what do you deserve? What do you deserve? Hey, this is cool. The thing's in front of me. Hey, this is scary. In Visalia, there's a clock that starts like flashing red when I go long. And I don't see that. And so the Lord is here. Okay. What do you, what do you deserve? Um, how do you see God? How do you define greatness? And are you uh, open to interruptions? I think these are important questions if we're going to sustain a life of of humble service. Matthew 20, uh, verse 1, Jesus is speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and he, he sent them into his vineyard. And then about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace. They were doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. And he went out again about noon, about three in the afternoon. He, uh, he did the same thing. And then at five in the afternoon, he went out and he still hired people. He found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Well, no one has hired us, they said. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last, they worked only one hour. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give to the one who was hired the last, hired last the same as I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. I've had to teach my kids a number of things. I have um, five daughters and I've had to teach them like a number of things. A number of things that you would think would come natural, like wiping your own butt, right? You would think like that would come natural. No, that, that is taught. And here's one thing I've like, I've never had to teach my daughters. I've never had to teach them to spot what is unfair. I've never sat down with Finley and been like, Finley, see what you're looking at here, you know, what, what's going on right now is unfair. And when you see this, what you're going to want to do is you're going to throw a flag and you're going to want to say, that's not fair. This isn't fair. I love it because my daughters always, all, they throw this back in my face. I have never once, never once, never once told them it is my goal, my New Year's resolution to be fair. And when they say it, I'm like, I, I, never, I never once told you I wanted to be that. That's never been my desire. And they lob it back in my face as if it's like, you know, what I want in life. I don't. I don't want to be that. I never agreed to that. But they throw it in my face like, like that you said. And I'm like, I never said that I wanted to be that, right? Well, what I'm getting at here is you're, you're born with a deep sense of justice. Not because something's wrong with you, but because you were made in the image of God. You're born with it. You spot that stuff, so you, you can't even wipe your own butt and you can see it, right? Sorry, have I said that too many times? <laughs> Are we okay? I know we're in a, like a, a church now. We're not in a tent. That was tent talk, and I take it back. So we see what's right and wrong, and we, we want what is, what is fair. Um, now, not all the time, and there's some inconsistencies uh, with that. Um, but again, we're born with a deep desire for what is fair. And with this story, with this story, Jesus is really trying to help a group of people who think in terms of fair to see life through the lens of grace. That's what's going on here. And what's interesting is that you're born, you're born being able to spot what's fair, um, but you'll probably die still trying to figure out how to spot grace. It takes a long time to view life through the lens of, of grace. But fair, that comes fairly quick, right? So Jesus is trying to help these guys see life, like look at life through these kind of grace uh, goggles. And what we know from this story that Jesus shares is that your desire for fair 
starts to increase when you begin to work and serve. Your desire for fair, it's already there. It's in there, trust me. But you start to work and serve and the beast is unleashed. How many of you have experienced that? This is, this is why activists are just the worst people. Like, because they're doing so much and you're doing so little. And they're bitter. But so are we, aren't we? Because we're doing all this. And a formula starts to form, right? I serve and therefore I deserve. And our effort should equal something. And it doesn't, when it doesn't equal that thing, I mean, watch out. It's, it's rough what comes up out of us, right? I did this, and I got that, and they did this, and they got that. The vineyard in this passage is Israel. Israel is often referred to as a vineyard. The workers that got there Early are God's people. They've been working and waiting since the start of the day. They're like the people who got here like at 7 a.m., right? God's people. And those getting in late and getting paid the same, they're the Gentiles and the tax collectors, sinners. Matthew, the one who writes this gospel account, he started his shift at 5 and he got grafted in. He gets all the same benefits of salvation, all the same benefits that God's people were, were offered. And he hasn't worked nearly as long. And they're enjoying all the benefits. And those who got there early are rightly upset, offended, and thought they deserved more. And what's interesting, I've noticed this in myself, is that our desire to have can just quickly become a desire for others not to have. And what happens for you when people begin to receive all the same payoffs without putting in the same work? I know this happens in community where there's some of you, I mean, you, you've been putting in a lot of work to connect with this community. You've been a part of packs, you've been a part of houses, um, You've put a lot of effort into connecting here. And then you know what happens? Someone waltzes in and somehow gets in two weeks what you've been working two years to have. A coffee with Jared, you know, or I don't know what it is. <laughs> Those are actually pretty easy to get. There's harder things to get than coffee with Jared. But... But it's, it's, it's rough what comes up out of us sometimes, huh? What happens for you when people get all the same benefits and the payoffs without putting in the same work? What happens, when, what happens in you when people's student debts are paid off? Ooh. Would you close your eyes with me? I just feel like the questions that are asked in this parable, I feel like the Lord would ask of us. I feel that the Lord would ask you, have I been unfair? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? 
haven't I fulfilled my, my word to you? I believe the Lord would ask us the question, don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Are you sure you want to tell me what to do? believe the Lord would ask us this morning, are you envious because I am generous? Do you begrudge my generosity? And here's what I've been telling myself as the years go on. You can open your eyes as the years go on. Here's what I've been telling myself. I never deserve more than to serve God and to humbly serve his people. I don't deserve more than that. I don't deserve more than to serve the God I love and to serve the people he loves. I'm not entitled to more than serving. And listen, the person who has a sustained life of service, the person who keeps saying yes has given up on fair they no, they no longer measure life through the lens of fair. They're looking at life through God's grace. If you continue in this game of fair, you're just not going to make it. And we're here. We're here and we're Christians. Well, I don't know. Sorry. If you're here and you're not a Christian... I'm, I'm like most excited that you're here, actually. So I'm so excited you're here. But you should know if you're thinking about becoming a Christian, we don't agree like on much. <laughs> and so I can throw out things about student loans and, you know, we can talk, but we don't agree on much. Here's one thing that we do agree on as Christians. We don't want what we deserve. Yes. And we have given up on fair. We got together. We got together. All Christians, all the Christians from all over got together and just like put it up right here. We don't want what we deserve. We want a God who treats us not as our sins deserve. Let's give up on fair on three. You know, this is, the, this is what we agree on. This is what we want. Okay, how do you see God? If you're going to have a sustained yes, you're going to have to address how you see God because no people group has ever risen above their view of God. Tozer said it, uh, well, I'll put it in Travis language, like the God you see is the Christian you'll be. You see an angry Christian, he's serving an angry God, like... He might not say it out of his mouth, um, but th this is what comes to mind. What we really think about God often lays um, buried under a bunch of things that we've learned to, to say. And um, so you're going to have to ask and answer this question. How do you see God? Now, the Matthew 20 goes on and in verse 17, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and he said to them, we're going up to Jerusalem. 
the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They'll condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, to be flogged, to be crucified. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. Are you primarily serving God or are you in touch with the very real ways right now that God is serving you. What? The very real ways right now that God is serving you. Are you in touch with that? Because we can get so busy doing stuff for God that we get really out of touch with the stuff that God's doing for us. And I say that as a pastor Sometimes Christian ministry, sadly enough, can be fueled by a really low view of God. Like we've got to bail God out of the mess he got himself in. And I'm down here taking your calls and you don't seem to be answering, you know. I think Rich Mullins uh, said it best when he said, we're down here working away while you're up there playing hard to get. And so often as we begin to serve... We get really in touch. This is stuff I'm doing. And you get really out of touch with the stuff God has done. So the person who has a life of sustained service is saying something like this. This is what the the person who has a sustained life of service, the person I'm trying to be, is saying something like this. Jesus, you suffered. Jesus, you bore. Jesus, you're carrying. Jesus, you're initiating. Jesus, you're planning right now. Jesus, you're planting a church in Tulare. Jesus, you're caring, you're granting, you're working, you're washing, you're cleansing. And this is what you're rehearsing. Because if you just start rehearsing all the stuff that you're doing, you're just not going to make it. Jesus, you paid. You paid, you paid, you paid, you sacrificed. You died the death I deserved. You called me, you found me, you washed me, you're renewing me. This is what the talk sounds like for someone who makes it. Are you in touch with what God has done for you? The third question you'll have to answer if you're going to keep going for 17 years Uh, years is how do you define greatness like what is great how you would describe God is is ultimate it really is but how you would define greatness is also really important then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him Uh, What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You, You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? We can, they answered. Just real quickly, so sure, so confident. Yes. And Jesus said to them, sweet. You will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. 
these places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard about this, they were upset and they should be upset. They were indignant with the two brothers. Like, why'd you get your mom involved? Why's your mom here? Why's your mom here? We're grown men. Are you a grown man? Why's your mom here, man? And Jesus called them together and he, he said, okay guys, hey, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. You know how they do that? And they're high officials. They exercise authority over them. Hey, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What do you, what do you think? What, what do you think it means to be great? Like what position is that on the field? I think if you're here and you want to be great, Jesus would be like, great. It's great that you want to be great. I don't think he would rebuke your desire to be great. He would question your definition of greatness. He'd flip it on its head and then you'd be like, I'm not sure if I want that. Probably. <laughs> so that's what Jesus is saying here. Hey, I'm really worried that you picked up your definition of greatness from the culture around you. And, and you think it's to lord over others. But I'm telling you, you're in the Lord's army now. And that's just not how we pull rank. That's not what we do. That's not how we march around. And Jesus is saying here that no matter how great you become in the kingdom, it'll never mean anything. It'll never mean anything other than serving God and serving people. It's never going to mean more than that. And I think we just need to decide that. My life will never be more or mean more than serving God and serving the people around me. What do you think it means to be great? And like, where did you get that idea? How do you define greatness? Lastness? Oof. Lowliness? Momness? Lastly, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to be open to uh, interruptions. Henry Nouwen, um, he's, he's a famous Christian uh, thinker. And I, I will, well, I'd encourage you to read Henry Nouwen. Um, but he writes of a visit to the University of Notre Dame where he'd been a teacher for a few years. And he says, I met an older experienced professor who had spent most of his life there. And while he strolled over the beautiful campus, he said with a certain melancholy in his voice, you know, my whole life I've been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. And sometimes in a deep desire to be productive, we sometimes forget about people. And sometimes we get caught up, so caught up in what we're doing that we often forget why we're doing it. Not, not so with Jesus. Let's read on. And Jesus and his disciples were leaving uh, Jericho. And uh, help me out, where's Jesus headed? What about the, what about the text before this? 
Jerusalem. Why is he headed to Jerusalem? He's set his face like flint towards the cross. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what he'll face. And while he's headed to the cross, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked him. He's super busy right now. Be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. This is, this is rad because Jesus has just taught us about what real greatness is and how power should be used. And then he, just, he, he doesn't just give us a talk, he actually models it for us. And so he's just told his disciples, I'm headed to die. And on his way, someone starts screaming out. And here, here's what's amazing. He takes a call. I know you've got a busy week. If you haven't thought about it yet, you got a lot on Monday. And it's, it's probably a big week. I get it but you're probably not dividing human history between B.C. and A.D. And that cool beard is probably not being pulled from your face this week. How many know Jesus had some things on his mind? How many know... He just could have kept walking and he probably could have just screamed like, be healed, you know, like the, like the guys on stages this high, you know, be healed, you know. He could have done that. But he stops and he takes a call. And then he says, hey, what, what can I do for you? What? You want to know what question, like I haven't asked my wife in 10 years, hey, what can I do for you? <laughs> want to know why? I'm uninterested in the answer to that question. <laughs> like, I'm really, really busy, you know? And you want to know what question I don't traipse around my church asking? Like, hey, what can I, hey, what can I do for you? You want to know why? I'm uninterested in the answer to that question. And, it, and it's not because I don't care about Vic. I do. I just, I'm busy. And I feel like I can't take on anymore. Who is this God who on the way to the cross does not forget about why he's going to the cross? Broken, hurting, harassed, sick people. And with all that he has to do, he stops and he doesn't just say, be healed and be quiet because I've got things to do. He says, hey, what can I do for you? <laughs> you, you, 
You have to know this God. Who is this God? We, we've like moved a bunch of, it's, what time? Come on, we're here, right? Okay, so, so we've moved a lot as a family and nothing uh, makes me more angry than, than moving. And I think in 20 years of marriage, we've moved 12 times. And, uh, and I think that I, I start to get, I mean, I, everything's up for grabs day three. I'll give it all. I'm like, the stuff that I'm throwing away, like, I'm like, let's just throw it away. Like, it's like, well, that's one of your five kids. I was like, yeah, we don't have room, you know? <laughs> you know, I just, I get like a, it's like a version of hangry, but it's like mangry. It's like moving angry. It's like. Why do we have this? We don't need this, and I'm not moving this, and I'm so tired of, of moving. And there's always, of course, like things that need to be done in the old house that I own um, in order for escrow to close. And I don't even know what escrow is, and I'm, 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 I'm mad, right? And and so this last move, Tiffany's like, hey, we got to get with our neighbors, and. Uh, She's like, we can't leave this house without having a dinner with our neighbors. And so I'm like, yeah, you're right. But like, I, you know, I'm like, I feel shaky. You know, I just am like, let's get this over with. I don't like this. And I said, Tiff, I'm like not, I'm not in a mood to have like a, a dinner. Um, and I feel like I'm just kind of head down, butt up. And I got trim to fix and things to throw away. And I can't do this, you know, right now. And she's like, we just can't. These have been the best neighbors we've ever had, you know. And I was like, yeah, they have been. So I said, all right, we're having a dinner. So they come over, and me and the girls write this little song for them that's like, to the best neighbors we've had, to the best neighbors we've had, moving away is a little bit sad when you've had the neighbors we've had. And then it had these verses about how we borrowed their pellet ice because they had a pellet ice machine. <laughs> And that how many times they found our dog when it went missing. And then he would come back from fishing trips, but they didn't like fish. And so I was like, all of that halibut can land on me. We just loved uh, our, our neighbors. And so I'm, I'm like uh, mad that we're moving again. I get this little kid's guitar out. I start singing with my daughters this cheesy song. And I just look up and I like see my neighbors, you know, and I just start crying, and uh, then everyone starts crying, you know, and we're singing, moving away is a little bit sad, but if I had the neighbors, we've had, and then one of their kids screams out, then why are you moving? And, and every, every once in a while, just every once in a while, it dawns on us, right, that this isn't about homes, and this isn't about houses, this is about our neighbors, and this isn't about school districts, and this isn't about the market. What matters are these people, 
And we forget, and he doesn't. Jesus doesn't forget what it's about. It's about these neighbors. You lose sight of that, you're just not going to make it. You stay in touch with that, we're going to make it. We're not here to plan a church. We don't want to plan a church, we want people. 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 Broken, hurting, hopeless, sick people to know the God who stops to take a call. We don't want the Linder building. That's not what we want is a Linder building. We want people, people to know the God who even on the way to the cross would stop and take a call. That's what we want. And I think if that's what we go after, we get the Linder building. And I think if we go for a building or go for a church, we might miss both those things. Both the Linder building and the people. Both the church and the people. Would you stand with me? I think it'd be so fitting to take communion because all, because it, just all of these questions converge as we come to the table. Thank you, God, that we don't get what we deserve. And we quit on fair again. We give up on fair. We want to see life through your grace. Thank you for your body broken and your blood shed. Thank you for what you've done for us. The sacrifices that you've made. Thank you for what you're doing to wash and cleanse and restore and renew the earth. Thank you, Lord, that you gave up on greatness <laughs> or at least this definition of it and you humbled yourself and becoming like a servant you came and you've served us thank you for this meal that we could not make we could not make this meal happen and you've prepared it for us And thank you for stopping to take our call. Thank you for hearing our cries. Thank you for not forgetting what it's all about. We love you. We worship you. We want to be like you. Renew. Renew our vision and our passion to serve you and others. You can come to the table uh, as you're ready. You can raise your voice in song and when you're done, Jared will dismiss us.